All four of the Gospels give a prominent place to John the Baptist, as does the liturgy. He is one of three persons whose human birth uh, gets its own feast day, the other two being our Lord and Our Lady. And it's not surprising in this light that these three occupy the three places of honor above the altar, presiding over the liturgy. What's more difficult to understand is why John occupies this place. I think Our Lord and Our Lady, uh, it's easy enough to see why they would have this place in the liturgy and in our faith. Why John the Baptist? Why is a herald needed? I'd like to offer you two reasons this morning, one from a more old-fashioned standpoint, perhaps, and another in address to our modern situation. So first of all, when we invite someone important to visit us, I think we take it as normal that special preparations are made. Our homes at normal times needn't be specially outfitted, but when a distinguished person is expected, We commonly bring out special decorations, special cutlery and stemware. We put on our best clothes. In our modern world, where we have nearly perfected the art of travel, we can usually predict to within a few minutes when someone will arrive. And if they're going to be late or early, they can use their cell phone and let us know. So we know when they're coming. Uh, But what if it were the case that we weren't sure when they were going to arrive? We had to have all these special preparations made, but they could come in a window anywhere between tomorrow and three weeks from now, let's say, or maybe even a couple months from now. How would we prepare? Well, certainly we would need someone to warn us that this distinguished person is getting close so that we could prepare in time, because we couldn't have all our special stuff out for two months, or our special clothes on for two months, So we would need a little bit of warning that the person is close. And Advent, of course, is the season when we say that the return of the king is imminent. And so John the Baptist is that one who lets us know when it is time to get out our special adornments. These are spiritual adornments, of course, a life of conversion and virtue. So John is here to remind us to prepare ourselves properly for Christ's visit in our hearts at the end of time. This could be any minute, of course. Uh, The need of a herald, however, this makes sense, as I say, in uh, a world where we can't know for certain when something's going to happen. Uh, This brings me to the second point I'd like to stress, because uh, in our modern world, we just don't have this experience of having a herald uh, announcing the progress of the king through his kingdom. Uh, So, where we don't have this experience, uh, we've grown... Oh, the the second thing I wanted to say about this is not only do we not have this experience of needing a herald, but we've grown accustomed to an individualistic approach to the faith, where what matters is my personal conviction about my beliefs, that Jesus is Lord, that the Catholic Church is the one church, etc., And in this case, again, what need do I have of someone else, of a herald, of someone to announce Christ's coming? Well, let me think a moment for about the strengths and weaknesses of individualism. Uh, We don't often think in church settings 
that there is anything particularly good or strong about individualism, though often enough in life outside of church, we act as if personal conviction were most important. We have to think for ourselves, right? And uh, again, I would point out that personal conviction really is important. And perhaps as Christians, uh, it's important for us to recognize this and try to harmonize it rather than uh, saying individualism is all bad. No one else can live my life for me. At the judgment, uh, each of us will have to answer for our own personal decisions about how we lived our lives. And in this way, owning my own life is important. And a modern emphasis on individual responsibility, uh, this is potentially a, a positive development. However, uh, there are limitations to individualism, and let me focus on one of them. For all of us, as we enter into personal maturity, we become aware, sometimes painfully aware, uh, that our own convictions can be wrong-headed, ignorant, complacent, short-sighted, self-serving. If these are our convictions, how do we come to know this exactly? Well, we know this because we, we run into other people who challenge us, who have other convictions, who have a different perspective on our convictions. So to use a somewhat trivial example, when I began my studies uh, in music, I started school with the conviction that Beethoven was the greatest composer of all time. Uh, but I soon came to find out not everyone agrees with me on this point, and teachers and fellow students uh, would argue on behalf of Josquin, Palestrina, Bach, Mozart, and others, and this forced me to reassess the limitations of my own perspective. I also came to college uh, thinking that opera wasn't worth the time of day. Uh, I've so since come to think quite differently about opera, especially uh, the operas of Verdi, for example. Another example, theological studies for someone entering the priesthood introduced new ideas about God, the church, moral philosophy, the liturgy. These challenges can bring about important changes in one's convictions hopefully changes that move one away from what was previously wrong-headed, ignorant, complacent, short-sighted, and self-serving to a conviction that adheres more closely to the truth of things, to the reality of things. Okay, the conviction is still mine, but this conviction has developed and has become more adequate to the truth, we hope. And so John the Baptist is just such a challenger, a person who challenges us, challenges our convictions, uh, to work against complacency and short-sightedness. Uh, just those limitations that can obscure the presence of Christ in our midst, the presence of Christ who is the truth. The question for each of us today is whether I am open to this challenge. When our Lord arrived in the flesh, he had uh, sharp criticisms for those who failed to hear John's challenge. He pointed out that oftentimes tax collectors and prostitutes were among those who accepted this challenge to grow out of their limitations, to accept the truth, whatever the cost uh, to their self-esteem self or preferences for their nostalgic sentiments or rationalizations or whatever, but to accept this truth and change and grow. And that it was the Pharisees who 
were not able to listen to this message because they thought they already had the right convictions or they didn't need their convictions to grow or be challenged. So just the fact that our convictions do change over time is an indication uh, that they should be developing, changing, becoming more and more adequate to the truth, to reality. And Advent is a time to test you know, whether my convictions are moving in the right direction. Am I able better this year compared to last year to affirm each of the sentences in the creed that we're about to recite together? When I say that Jesus is the Lord and that he is the way, the truth, and the life, how has my conviction regarding these claims changed and developed and become deeper and more personal? Who is the John the Baptist in my life challenging me to grow beyond my present convictions? Am I listening to that voice in the wilderness? In the two weeks that remain before the celebration of Christmas, may it be said of us that we are really preparing the way for the truth to enter more and more deeply into our lives.